Welcome to this week's edition of Debriefing the Law. I am Joel Oster. I am Chris Marone. Chris, you are a new, refreshed man. You just yes. got back from grocery shopping out in the <laughs> wild. You went fishing. <laughs> Tell us about your great uh, camping trip. Oh, man. Well, I had 12 unfettered, uncell-phoned, unemailed days up in the Arizona high country. Where's we went that? Up to a place called Mogollon Rim. It is... It is spelled kind of like Mongolian, but pronounced Mogion around here. Don't ask me why. And it reminds me a lot of South Lake Tahoe or like Crater Lake in Oregon. It's a lot of redwoods, a lot of tall pine trees, a lot, a lot of things. And it's just really gorgeous to be up there. My wife and I and our dog spent 12 days of fishing and hiking and book reading and relaxing and card playing and just, you know, so connecting on, on, on a level. So you stated holiday in no we did not sir we my <laughs> wife and this is all credit to her she is a classically trained archaeologist okay and for her master's work she had to live in a tent for four months in the panhandle of oklahoma right there where texas kind of goes up to oklahoma and she was doing research on the pueblo indians of that area and she lived in a tent for three and a half months working on her master's work so this woman Bless her heart, has camping down to an absolute luxury. Wow. Wow. You're out there under the stars. You're sleeping out there with tents? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And I have a full-size camping cot with a five-inch, like, pad on it. I sleep better on our camp trips than I do at our house. Okay, we gotta go camping together sometime. For sure, I do not know what I'm doing when I'm camping. Oh. I, that's why we don't go camping. I went to Bass Pro and bought all the gear. It's sitting there oh, in my garage, not being used because I have not a clue how to use it. Uh, last mm-hmm. time I went camping, Eric Stanley. I went with Eric, a good friend of mine from way back in Florida, and he was an Eagle Scout. I then there learned, okay, when I go camping. I need to go with an Eagle Scout because he actually yes, even do. had lights that he hung out by the tent. It was all decorative. That was living. Uh, no, not for my wife and I. We just find a, you know, a Holiday Inn, a Hampton Inn, whatever, and then <laughs> go to the beach. But I, I, I envy you. I want to go out fishing. In fact, here's what oh, I yes. am doing. I'm actually looking for a a condo, a house, a townhome on the the beach there in florida uh we're going to do a 1031 exchange i'm gonna give a shout out to kyle mead of exchange intermediary he is my if you need 1031 exchange work which is what you're gonna sell a rental property you can then exchange it for like property he told me somewhere in the united states so i could not go to bonaire or curacao i had to stick to the continental united states apparently and they can do a 1031 exchange so you don't pay capital gains taxes on the gains. And right now in this real estate market, there are a lot of gains. Uh, and so my thought was, we, we found a place there in Palm Coast, uh, Florida. We, at least we think we found a place. We like it. We're under contract. But I want to get a boat and I want to go out fishing oh, in yes. the ocean. I want to catch some fish and eat it. And so, Chris, you're going to have to be my guide. Oh, I got you. So... I could do it a couple of different ways. When I was living in Monterey, uh, big up to the Monterey Bay Triton Spearfishing Club, plug for them. We used to do spearfishing. We'd get into the wetsuits, we'd get the snorkels and the spear guns, and we'd go fishing that way. Wow. And we would go, that's where I got some really good white sea bass and some halibut and, oh, so good chef's kiss. Um, or we could go fishing with poles, and I got you covered that way too. So I'm all about it. 
I go fishing with barcodes at Price Chopper. That's where I get my fish. Uh, it's the only place I know how to catch fish is at the grocery mm-hmm. store. But if I go with you, I'm feeling confident we oh, will yeah. actually have a fish fry. This is a true story. I actually brought my Sunday school class to Orlando, Florida. Uh, okay. We're here in Kansas City. We're going out there to Florida for a, a, a trip. You know what? I'm going to take them to the ocean. We're going to rent a, we're going to go out on one of these shark fishing expeditions. We're going to catch a bunch of fish. And we're going to have an entire Sunday school party out there right on the banks. After we come back in, we're going to fry these fish up and we're going to have a great fish and chips uh, uh, dinner. I love Do you know it. what that fish and chips dinner turned into? Disgusting. Chips. chips. Yep. No fish. The entire boat no was fish. shut out. No one got a single blessed fish. And so we all had a bunch of chips and salsa, I guess. So, yeah, that did not work out as well. <laughs> if I had brought you, maybe we would have caught something. And so the next time, oh, you have to do that. You have to check out our place in Florida. and oh, for um, sure. And then let, let's go fishing. All right. Well, while you were away... There was a lot happening uh, in the legal world. So much. Johnny Depp now is a new man. Uh, And so um, David Bowie, Top Gun uh, lawsuits. So much stuff for us. John Gruden lawsuit. We have a lot to unpack today. But let's start right off at the top. Just today. So we are recording this on on Wednesday. And this will go out on Friday. So two days Mm -hmm. ago, let's just say that, uh, there was a the Pelican Brief. almost came to fruition. You and I have been talking about this because of the leak at the Supreme Court where the opinion that was leaked out uh, in the the case is going to overturn Roe v. Wade on right to life and abortion issues. That opinion was leaked. It's going to overturn Roe v. Wade. At least that's the thought process. We were saying this is dangerous. This could really get people upset and maybe some crazies out there might try to kill one of these justices. They need to go into hiding and go on high alert. Well, guess what happened two days ago, i.e. today. Uh, There was actually a murder attempt on Justice Kavanaugh. A California man man was charged with attempted murder of this justice. It was Wednesday morning. 26-year-old Nicholas Roski told detectives that he had purchased a gun and burglary tools with a plan to break into Kavanaugh's home to kill him and then kill himself. Chris, what do we make of this? I don't even know what to say. I mean, we knew this was going to happen. Right. People are getting so fired up over everything. They feel like the only way out is to murder people. Right. We've seen suicide by cop or we've seen murder suicides happen a lot in our society. Um, I think this is another discussion we could be having about, you know, how did he obtain the gun? That that could be a discussion for later times. But I want to keep that in the forefront is how are these crazy guys (laughs) obtaining guns? Well, Um, obviously he's crazy because of what he did, but it was, he documented to be crazy before and he's 26 years old, but that is a good question. Here's what he said. He said he was upset with uh, Kavanaugh. He said, I, I, he believed Kavanaugh would vote to ease gun control restrictions. That doesn't make any sense. So he's going to use a gun to kill him. He got the gun pretty easily. Yeah, so I'm not quite sure I, I follow his logic there. He then said uh, he was uh, he's upset with his uh, future vote um, uh, on on right to life issues, uh, and so he was going to buy a gun. He said this way my life will have purpose. And if he killed Kavanaugh, I, right. I, I don't even know what to say. Right. I I mean, and look, if he got a if he got a gun, and he's from L.A. Simi Valley, right? Um, so he went through the harsh background checks. So 
uh, allegedly he was he was calm at the time to get the gun, waited the ten days and all that jazz. Um, what I think is kind of funny is that, like, I shouldn't say funny. I apologize. I think is odd is that this guy's already been charged. He's already in court. Um, he was picked up on June eighth, which is today. Um, well, this morning at 1.05 a.m., according to court documents. So he never really got close enough to actually inflict any sort of danger to Justice Kavanaugh. He just had the full-on intent of doing so, which is what attempted murder is, right? Doing right. an overt act to attempt to murder somebody. His overt act was getting the gun, getting the knife, getting the burglary tools, the whole nine yards, and for law enforcement to do their job to get him out. Um do I think this is the last one we see? Probably not. Well, thankfully, um, security was there. Caught. Yeah, thankfully, security was there. Everyone's on high alert protecting these justices. Right. But that is the the reason why this leaker was mm-hmm. so wrong. Uh, a lot of people say, oh, the leaker did a great thing for whatever cause, whatever reason, should be a right. hero. No, th- this is bringing out the crazies out there who are doing assassination attempts on our Supreme Court justices. And I think it was a horrible deal. All right, speaking of the Supreme Court, they issued an opinion on Wednesday in Egbert v. Is it Boulay? B-O-U-L-E. I don't know how to pronounce it. This I think actually it's Boulay was, like Michael Boulay. Not right. Boulay, but uh, Boulay. I got, I got it right the first time. This actually was a comical opinion, if you will. If you read it, it actually was kind of funny. The facts are kind of funny because this right. dealt with this inn up there in Washington State that was close to the Canadian border that was allegedly was used to smuggle things in. Now, I, I say allegedly. Here's what we know. The person who owns this place called Smuggler's Inn has a license plate that says smuggler. So I got to say, you, you got to be kidding me. This guy actually is a smuggler, and he's working in the Smuggler's Inn and has a license plate called the smuggler. How in the world... Did the FBI get get an idea that this guy was somehow smuggling? I don't know. I, I don't see the signs here at all. But nonetheless, he, he, he was actually an informant, uh, a confidential informant for the Customs and Border Control. Well, here's what happened. Customs and Border Control wanted to speak, wanted to go on to the property and speak to one of the guests there. Well, Boulay did not want that, but this this uh, patrol a- border patrol agent did it anyways, and uh, Boulay said, no, you're going to have to leave the property, get out of here. All right, well, then what happened? Well, this border patrol agent was not too happy with Egbert, or, or I'm sorry, Boulay, and so allegedly then ratted him out to the IRS and and it resulted in a tax audit uh, against uh, Boulay uh, and his finances. All right, so Boulay filed this lawsuit against this um, this Border Patrol agent. Right. The issue is, is that allowed under our laws? We know you can sue state actors, but this right. is a federal Individual. agent. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. So what what we have here, the law is called a Bivens action. Under a, under mm-hmm. this case called Bivens v. Six Unknown Named Agents, the Supreme Court created this idea, this legal some some law so you can sue a federal agent doing work as a federal agent if they violate mm-hmm. your constitutional rights. Okay, we get that. But the court since then has been, I guess, very uh, reluctant they've had buyer's remorse i don't know they They refuse to extend this this uh, cause of action almost anywhere beyond the four corners of bivis so what do you think so today in this case here's what the court did the court said 
we're not going to extend this either to these facts. We're going to say you did not have a cause of action. Uh, There was a dissent here, but nonetheless, that was the ruling of the court. Right. And I mean, they go into it that what uh, what the the federal agent did isn't tantamount to any sort of violation of rights. You know, he tipped maybe he tipped off federal agents that this guy was, I don't know, a smuggler because I don't know. He's a smuggler. Like, I could understand if the guy was operating like a church and right. like, let's change the facts, right? Let's move a church down to Me- let's move a church down to the New, Me- the New Mexico, Mexico border, right outside of El Paso, Texas, or right at the New Mexico border. And you have a, a priest and the federal agent comes and demands, you know, where all the immigrants were. And now we're encroaching on clergy, parishioner, confidentiality, or if he has no reason to go into the church other than, well, the, the minister or the, the father that's been assigned there is Hispanic. So everybody in there is illegal. That's a different scenario. This guy is a known smuggler, known informant, known criminal. And the guy tipped off the, the other organizations like the IRS that this guy's a criminal. All of a sudden that's not an encroachment on your, your rights. Right. But I don't think the court got there. The court just said, no, look, even if the, yeah. uh, the defendants did what you allege they did, that's not a violation of, of any law because right. we're not going to recognize a Bivens actions. It, it is interesting to note for you non-lawyers or for you lawyers who don't practice in constitutional law, if this Border Patrol agent had been a state employee, worked yes. for the Washington State Border Con- Patrol, I know that does not exist, but let's just say right. it did. A Wasatch Un- County Sheriff. Undoubtedly, you would have a cause of action because you would be suing under Section 1983 because that it would be a state actor. But this here is involving a federal agent, and that makes all the difference in the world here. Right. And this, this Supreme Court was unwilling to extend the Bivens line of cases to cover Border Patrol activity. All right. Now mm-hmm. let's move on to the next situation, which I think is somewhat similar, though maybe vastly different. Definitely mm-hmm. the subject matter is, is vastly different. Nassar, you know, he was the, mm-hmm. the doctor there at the University of Michigan, I believe. Yes. And did all of these the horrible sex offenses and yes. violated and did sexual assault on all of these gymnasts. When this case came out, it almost was unfathomable. Well, here's what happened. Apparently the FBI knew about what Nassar was doing six yep. months before it really did anything about it. So right. this is interesting because we just talked about this Bivens line of action and whether or not you mm-hmm. can sue, you know, the f- a federal agent for not doing their job or for violating their, 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 their rights doing their job right. here. The FBI agents were not doing their job. They, they nope. sat on this complaint for six months. And so yeah. because of that, the allegations are that many other women were violated or the women that were violated were violated in more in more instances continue right, right, right. continued right? acts against them exactly should the fbi agents for being derelict in their duty to to respond to these complaints quicker should they be held civilly liable now they are suing for one billion dollars I, I almost don't want to get caught up on the number it's obviously a huge number the legal right Issue is almost the more important thing. Should you be able to sue a federal agent for not processing investigations quicker when when you you should have known this is a horrible thing going on? Right. And this, let's say yes. Let's go with yes, you can do this, right? Well, now 
what what is level of knowledge? Because that's going to be, I think, in my opinion, the turning point going forward. Right. What what level of knowledge do you have to prove here in this case against Nasser? Um, 70 plus women and girls um, pointed to him and the FBI ignored it. OK, so are we going to say that 70 is the line? Or is the line you knew through a text message or ver- what verifiable sources are there? I think that um, I I think and I know that law enforcement has such a large backlog of so many aspects of their job, whether it's uh, laboratory testing or investigating witnesses or investigating crimes, that this could open the door to a lot of civil liability for a lot of law enforcement jurisdictions. And that's a good point. Because I want to bring up something. I don't know the facts of this case. We do, we do know, in retrospect, mm-hmm. it, it was horrendous. But what I'm right. saying, I don't know the facts. In that moment, when the, right. the allegations were made, what were these FBI agents doing? Did they have 10 other right. cases on their desk where people were being murdered? Were there right. 10 other cases of sexual assault going on? I don't know. So in other words, you could say, oh, you're just twiddling your thumbs. Well, yeah, if you're twiddling your thumbs, you're a horrible, bad FBI agent. You should be held civilly liable. If they were responding to other sexual assaults, other you know uh, murders, right. then maybe it's like, well, these are only human beings with 24 hours in the day, and they got to sleep at some point in time. I don't know what the facts are when it comes to what else were these agents doing, and should that make a difference? Right. I think it totally should make a difference because if you like if you have one FBI agent um, covering this case, let's just put that out there. Then, yes, the FBI is liable for allocation of resources. I don't think individual FBI agents can be held accountable like we saw in the Boulay case where, you know, they're trying to get this one guy. But I think the FBI as a whole, if they're not allocating like let's say they're I mean. I mean, there's so many situations where it could be like, you know, do you have 47 guys watching a mosque of a suspected terrorist and you're not investigating sexual assault claims? Or do you do you have and look, I'm not the director of the FBI. I don't have I don't know what's going on. I don't know what they're juggling and what's slipping through the things and what's not and how they're prioritizing things. But if we want to live in a world where the prioritization is protecting children, which is, I don't know, the basis of overturning Roe v. Wade. Maybe we should all get on board on this. And I will say, I I found today, it was reported that mm -hmm. in previous situations, failures by federal law enforcers have led to major settlements, including a $127 Mm -hmm. million settlement for families of those killed or injured in 2018 at Florida's majority Stoneman Douglas High School. The FBI yes. apparently received a tip about five weeks before the 17 people were killed and, and they never did anything based on it. So there is some precedent where the FBI has said, look, we don't really know what the precedent of the law is if we are liable. But we are saying is we messed up and we will pay up when we've messed up. So maybe that will happen here. The FBI will just mm-hmm. say, even though if we push this to the U.S. Supreme Court, they will rule on our on our behalf saying we're not going to set a legal precedent here that could be used against future law enforcement officials who do the right thing. Right. But here we did the wrong thing. And so we're going to pay up. I don't know how that's going to play out. Right. All right. How about this next story? I know this one caught your attention, Chris, because you sent this one to me. But your hero, Microsoft Slayer, uh, David Bowie, he bills out at $1,000. 
$950 per hour. So, Chris, when I heard that, my thought was, how is it that David Bowie is billing less than you? I don't understand how. I mean, it's just the pure skill factor here, right? Like, I am a in-demand man. People love my opinions and my abilities and my desires. Like, they want to hear it. I'm in-demand. I mean, but Google, good gravy. How much money are you nine hundred and fifty dollars per hour chris we gotta stop podcasting and go out there and bill some more time that that is an amazing amount of money well here's what happened this was a a lawsuit against google for violation of privacy rights and there was some issue about google not responding to discovery request and so the court then sanctioned google well normally when you do a sanction you're basically ordering that party to pay the other side's legal fees whatever legal fees they had to incur because of your misconduct. So here it would be their lawyer fees, which apparently is to the tune of $1,950. All right, moving on now to another case that I know is near, near and dear to your heart. The Top Gun 2 lawsuit. Now, Chris, I'm going to explain a little bit about this, but before you explain the lawsuit, have you seen Top Gun 2 yet? I have not. I have okay. not seen Top Gun 2. I have planned to, but because of camping and then my niece getting married this weekend, I have not been able to crack a couple of hours free to go see this wonderful piece of filmography from what I hear. I have not seen Top Gun 2. I have seen Top Gun 1 again. I saw it recently because I wanted to get that fresh in my mind. Mm-hmm. Wow, that was made a long time ago, 36 years ago. Oh, my gosh, but yeah. I cannot. I have heard this Top Gun 2 is a must-see in the theater. Now, a lot of movies, like comedies, you know, rom-coms, mm-hmm. things like that, you don't go pay theater money to see that. You can see that on your big screen, and it's yep. probably a better experience because the popcorn is does not require a mortgage. Uh, it, it's mm-hmm. a much better deal, so you just watch it at home. Right. Not true of these uh, movies like Top Gun 2. Apparently, the engine sound, <laughs> the roar of the airplane engines oh, yeah. is incredible. It is intense. You have to be in the theater. And so I'm yep. going to see it before it leaves the theater. But go ahead and explain, what is this Top Gun 2 lawsuit about? All right. So all you copyright and IP lawyers and wannabe lawyers out there, this whole case turns on a copyright Back in 1986, Paramount Pictures bought the copyright and the rights to publish a short story that inspired the movie Top Gun. It was by a guy by the name of Ehud. And if you've been reading your Old Testament lately and specifically in Judges, you will know the name Ehud. Um, I don't. He was a left-hand assassin that delivered the people in Israel. But that's a whole, you know, go to... Third Judges, Judges Chapter 3, I believe, actually. Um, Don't know why I knew that off the top of my head. But anyways, Ehud um, wrote the short story Top Gun. Paramount bought it, adapted it into the movie Top Gun. Now, copyright laws have kind of a sunset uh, clause to it. So they bought the right to Top Gun, Paramount did, for 35 years. Now, like Joel just said, 36 years ago is when Top Gun debuted in our wonderful lives and became a staple of military propaganda in American history. And we love it. We absolutely love it. We feel the need for speed. So he cried. We did. We did. An Iceman, when Goose died, I cried. The first time I cried as a man was when Goose died. Um, his son, Rooster, in the new movie, hopefully don't doesn't die. Don't tell me. Okay, good, good. I don't know. I've... Hopefully doesn't. We don't know. But he. it is what it is. 
Um, I'm not seeing Top Gun 3 if he dies. I'm just going to lay it right not, out there. I'm yeah. not seeing Top Gun 3. Right. Miles Teller is the new the new Tom Cruise, and we need to make that happen. But anyways, so here we are. 36 years later. Well, the copyright has since, for lack of a better term, expired. So the rights to Top Gun, the story Top Gun, go back to Ehud's heirs. His now, son you say and since retired. Uh, you you kind of glossed over a, a very interesting point, and that is it just expired just, i mean because just. of the covid pandemic that delayed Correct. production if this had been released when it should have been released no right. issue here no no problem but because covid the pandemic stalled things out yep. it just was released a year later and the minute that the 35 years um expired Ehud's heirs sent a letter to Paramount ceasing and desisting saying, you can't put this out. We now own the copyright. It's ours. You have to pay us for it. Now, the movie has made 500 plus million dollars and on track to break the billion dollar mark as movies do nowadays. Right. Um, this this might be the highest grossing movie of all time. It is, it it is doing incredible already at the box office. Right. And, and it's so beloved it's gonna... by everybody. I, I haven't met a person that and that dislikes it. People so let's love say, a good action movie. Let's say, oh, I know, because we have not seen, I've been scouring for good action movies, and finally we got one. Let's say, right. though, Chris, that mm-hmm. this gets $2 billion. And let's right. say that Ehud and his, I guess his heirs now, that mm-hmm. um, they have a claim here, that they, they right. own the rights to this story. Does that mean that? That Paramount now writes them a check for $2 billion. I mean, how much no. are we probably talking is going to be owed to Ehud's family? Probably, I would say at most 15 to 20%. At mo- that would be the farthest reach. What would be fair market value of using this story again? Because the court's going to have to determine this is no longer a in-the-vacuum Top Gun movie. Whereas the first Top Gun movie was in a vacuum, right? It it hadn't been done before. So now we're building on the story that Paramount already has created. So sequels might be more valuable than the first story. Might be first, but it also might be new intellectual property. So that's interesting. So both sides really have their arguments here as to who owns the rights. I I think Paramount can say, look, we, this movie was all done. The only thing that that delayed the release of it was the pandemic and a couple of editing things that then took place, but it was, it was 99% done. Right. So you should consider that court in, in S and issuing some damages amount. Right. The other side could say, no, we own the rights to it. So whenever you have that scenario, Chris, you have a settlement. I mean, oh, this movie is making so much money. Paramount's not going to care about writing out a check for whatever it has to be because they're all making buku bucks. But Chris, this, what I'm going to say is going to be the real issue. And I want you to comment on what I think is going to be the real issue. And that mm-hmm. is Top Gun 3. Because, Top yes, three. Top Gun 2 now is done, and the court's going to issue some check based upon the arguments that were mm-hmm. made from both sides. But it's unquestioned that Top Gun 3, the rights now have reverted back to Ehud's heirs. And so what does that settle? What is that settlement going to look like? It's going to look like them giving up any sort of claim to future use of the Top Gun storyline, logos, any sort of copyrights. I think Paramount will write him a check for 50 million bucks and say, take this gift and just pound sand and get the hell out of here. There you go. It's- they'll give them 1% 
No, that's 10%. 10% of this opening weekend, right, is 50 million of 500 million and say get get the get to step in. Because because right. the, then they're going to own it fully completely and without any sort of sunset clause. And to and so to Ehud's lawyers, I say a job well done. You had a right. good argument, you reached a good settlement. Everyone makes money and so everyone is happy at the end of the day. All right. Yep. This next case is not going to have a happy ending. For everyone, what I am going to no. talk about next is a is a matter, man. Chris, we, we had a lot happen in the world of uh, of law over these last two weeks. You got to go on more camping trips, but nonetheless, right? John Gruden's lawsuit. Now, I Ooh. have made no bones about it, and I think you have agreed with me. We like John Gruden's lawsuit because Love it. we don't really care about John Gruden. Maybe per se, he was a Raider. I'm a Chiefs. I gotta hate the Raiders, uh-huh. but I can't stand. Um, uh, um, Roger Goodell. Roger I cannot Goodell. stand him. And so, right. if this is a lawsuit against Roger Goodell, I am all in favor of the other side. I want to see Roger Goodell lose. Here's the interesting thing about John Gruden's lawsuit. So he sued the NFL and Roger Goodell, saying, "Look, you had all these emails from your reviewing of the Washington Commanders, Washington Football Teams, whatever they are yep. or were. Um, you had all these emails. You only selectively released what Mine. six emails, nine, yep. just just a handful of them, a guest that that embarrassed." Uh, John Gruden. Now, in some of these emails, actually, is where John Gruden was criticizing Roger Goodell. So, mm-hmm. John Gruden is saying, look, Roger Goodell, you have thin skin. You were targeting me in the release of these emails, and so you're liable. You ruined my career. And this is intentional on your part. Here's the beauty of what the NFL's argument is. This is what the... I'm going to just recap the NFL's argument. The NFL is saying, yes, we know you've sued Roger Goodell. You complained about Roger Goodell. You said Roger Goodell was acting as the the lone sheriff, the judge, jury, and executioner, whatever. Well, guess what? This is covered by arbitration. We're going to force you to arbitration, which, by the way, who has final say in arbitration? Roger Goodell. Roger Goodell. Goodell. Under the contract, Roger Goodell has the final say in arbitration. Hold on. So this lawsuit saying Roger Goodell had a personal vendetta against me has to be decided by Roger Goodell. Roger Goodell. No, you gotta be kidding me. That cannot be the law. Any thoughts on this? Well, yeah. I mean, it's an easy decision, right? I, Roger Goodell did not. So case dismissed. Have a great day. Right. right. I sure hope the court does not allow that. So here's what happened. The, the, the Las Vegas court said, no, no. See, here's what happened. John Gruden was fired. He is no longer an employee. He's been kicked out. Therefore, we are not going to say he's bound by the arbitration rules in his employment agreement because yep. you kicked him out. You fired him. Right. And so, and the the judge also threw in this. It just doesn't seem fair to force John Gruden to arbitrate his claim to Roger Goodell. That just does not seem right. And mm-hmm. so uh, the judge dismissed the NFL's motions, and this case is now going to trial, and you and I are going to be following it every step of the way because oh, yeah. we want to see Roger Goodell get his comeuppance. I- any word on that? Any thoughts well, on that? I want to force Roger Goodell into a courtroom and have him be under oath and have him actually say the quiet parts out loud because that's, it's, it's what he's doing. He refuses at all to own up to any of, you know, I'm not a Gruden fan. I think Gruden is, you know, he's a piece of crap, 
right? Racist, misogynistic, you pick your poison. But I do, I do not agree. Right I do not agree with, with that. I do not agree with that, but I agree with okay. your your sentiment that they he's a misogynist to be sure. He right. definitely said um, things like that. I think the other emails were taken out of context, but mm-hmm. that's a, a story for another day. I think Roger Goodell knew what he was doing in selectively releasing well, emails for their salacious nature. Right. Uh, but I do not but want I John think, Green to be Goodell a racist. Is, com- is complicit in creating an environment where someone like Goodell Goodell is complicit in creating an environment where a place like Gruden can be successful. He, I think he had prior knowledge. I think he knew what the good old boys club was and just allowed, allowed Gruden for almost 20 years with impunity to operate the way he did. So Goodell needs to be held just as responsible as Gruden for, for those sort of things. And I'm looking I, forward I, to him. I agree with that. I will also state for the record that uh, Mike Tirico uh, and, uh, from ESPN worked hand in glove with John Gruden for many years here on Monday Night Football. Uh, mm-hmm. Tony Dungy knows John Gruden well. Both mm-hmm. of them say we know him personally. He's not racist at all. Uh, and so I think that, that those character assessments for those two individuals is going to give me pause to say maybe these emails are taken out of context. But we, hey, right. we're in a cancel culture. We like to rush to judge. And I think Roger Goodell knew exactly what he was doing when he was trying to target John Gruden mm-hmm. and get him fired because Roger Goodell has thin skin. He did not like the fact that John Gruden insulted him in these emails. I think that's how petty he is. But I could be wrong. <laughs> no. Roger Goodell, go ahead and sue me. I'm good for that. All right. Nonetheless, let's move on now to what everyone has been waiting to talk about. The Johnny Depp verdict that came out, I think, while you were camping over the last two weeks. I think, Chris, that that in this case, Johnny Depp won a $100 million verdict. Yep. Now, I'm going to explain why. Here's why. Amber Heard filed this, uh, uh, she penned this op-ed, I believe it was in the Washington Post, Mm -hmm. saying that Johnny Depp was a wife beater, a spouse abuser. Mm -hmm. When you make the allegation against someone, just the allegation means you are canceled. Right there, period, stop. It does not matter. We don't go past this point. If you are an alleged spouse abuser, Hollywood will not hire you. You will no longer have a public job. And Johnny Depp was a movie star and all of his movie yeah. contracts went to kaput. This is the uh, Pirates of the Caribbean star. Nope, not out. He was written out of the sequels. He lost well over $100 million because of this. So he yeah. filed a lawsuit saying, look, Amber Heard defamed me. I did not do this to her. So this matter now goes to a jury. A jury yeah. considered this case and said, um, um, Amber Heard, we don't believe you. We we do not believe right. that that he did this, and so we are going to say you defamed uh, Johnny Depp. That means he won at least a hundred million dollars because he got his name back. Do you, do you agree with me? Oh, hundred percent. Like, well, not only did he get his name back, like he's a cultural icon now. Right. right. Everybody talked. Everybody talked about the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial. People were all over the place crying about how their team Depp or team Heard or toxic that everybody turned into a relationship expert over the last five weeks. And so Johnny Depp has been on the tip. And now people are, you know, change.org petitions and all these things about getting Johnny Depp back as Jack Sparrow in the, yes. in the Disney series and all sorts of stuff. You know, I, I this the media circus around this alone is worth 100 million. I, I think so. And he got way, his. How quickly his name was rehabilitated. 
Yes. How, it, that is the fastest rehabilitation I've ever seen. So there were some pretty odd things that came out in this trial. Like, and I'm going to get this wrong, so I do apologize, but a certain amount of marital activity slash defecation activities. And I I don't really know all the details of this, uh, but uh, I do do have this a thought on it. It doesn't matter. I don't care where you defecate and whether or not you sleep in it. Hollywood does not care about that. They care about... Do you abuse your spouse? If you're a spouse abuser, we will not hire you. If you like to sleep and poop, we don't care. We'll still hire you. We don't have a problem with that. I agree with that. And that's why the salacious details that came out is not going to harm him one bit. The fact that his name has been cleared on the spouse abuse means everything to Johnny Depp. And so here's what he's done. There has been this thought, this this discussion out there that Amber Heard cannot afford to pay this $10 million judgment. Correct. So you know what uh, Johnny Depp has said? Don't pay it. Don't pay it. He doesn't doesn't care about it. So look, you know what? As long as you agree not to appeal this case, we're done. Mm -hmm. We're good. I got my $100 million verdict. I am happy with that. I just wanted to clear my name. That's been accomplished. Let's both move forward. So it very well might be that Johnny Depp just says, hey, Amber, Good luck, good riddance, and you don't owe any money to me. Right. So we'll have to see. Which would also be like the good guy thing to do, right? He could say, look, this wasn't about cash. This wasn't about money. This was about making sure that my good name was represented, that I am not an abuser. That's what this was about. If she can't pay the money, I don't care. What I do care about is vindication, and you can't put a price tag on that. Now, get me back is. into Jack Sparrow and pay me $100 trillion. <laughs> That's right. I, there, you know, there's a huge uh, moral right there that you just glossed over. And uh, maybe we should just pause here for a moment to, to think about that. He really wasn't being vindictive. And, no. and I don't think, right? Maybe I'm right. wrong, but it seems like he's saying, look, I don't want to throw you under the bus where you mm-hmm. can't continue to have a lifestyle. Right. I just want to go forward with my own name. And so I'm not going to. Right. I'm done with you. I, uh, right. I, I'm going to forgive, but I'm not going to forget. But yeah, we right. are going to move forward here. Right. It's just not, not together. All right. Let's now transition to our courtroom quarterback segment. Whoa. This is half court quarterbacks. What are we? Uh, high court? High basketball? What's the new name for the basketball section of this? We got to think of something for that. Highest court in the land. Uh, high court courtroom, court squared. Uh, yeah, oh, I like that. Yeah. Because you, you know what the Supreme Court building, what the highest court in the land is? Do you know the, what? The, yes, I played on it. No. It is the basketball. Pause. Right, hold on the, a second. You yeah. played yep. basketball at the Supreme yep. Court. I have. Wow. Yep. How many points did you score? Zero. I was 0 how, for 4. How many rebounds did you get? 12. Sweet. All right. Yeah. You're just like me. Yeah, exactly. I was the big man under the basket and I couldn't make a I couldn't make a shot to save my life. All right. So let's say you and I played basketball together. Okay. Would you agree with me that we just camp out on one side or the other so we don't have to run back and forth? Let's just be Done. the big men that clog up the lanes yep. on one half no. and we could be good. No, let's just play half court ball and you and I could just stay in the paint the entire time. I like I'm down. It. I'm down with this. <laughs> All right, good, good. Well, go on. So you, you, you the highest court in the land, there's yep. a basketball court yep. above the Supreme Court. And at least yep. I've heard that. You yep. are confirming it. 
Yes, yes. Um, I knew a couple of Supreme Court clerks for Justice Ginsburg when I was working in Washington, and they were allowed to use the basketball court. The clerks were allowed to use it, so we played um, a pickup game there one night. I want to—I don't remember, like in December of two thousand and eight or nine, somewhere in wow. there. Um, we played a one night. I got invited to be on a pickup team to come play at the Supreme Court. Wow. Is yep. that why the rim is bent? Were you hanging on the rim too oh, much? That's, yeah, I was dominating like Shaq. Yeah. Okay. yeah I was about right. as useful as an emptied water bowl. Like I was what? just, yeah. Was I it was just nothing. as they're playing? No, it was just law clerks. It was young. It was mostly young people. All of us in our like mid 20s. Was RBG there on the side doing her planks? No, no none of the justices were there. Uh, okay. None. All right. I didn't meet a Supreme Court justice until I came to work for ASU. All right, Chris, you yeah. gotta stop holding out on me here. Yeah, that man. is an ama- that is an amazing story that you actually played basketball on the highest court in the land. You do get um fully padded down and they rifle through all your stuff, obviously. So okay. your gym bag gets dumped out, they go through every little thing, especially being the first time there. They went through and padded down every aspect of my gym bag. They put they say it has to go into a special location that only like certain, you know, you get assigned like this is your locker, your locker's number 3. So if god forbid a bomb goes off, that they missed, they know that it originated in locker three that was attached to this guy and they could trace it back. A lot, a lot of security to get up there. So I wonder if there's like trash talking going on, like, hey, who's the leaker? Hey, are you leaking now? Stop leaking. I'm sure. I'm sure. (laughs) Wow. Interesting. All right. Well, uh, speaking of highest court in the land, uh, we are now talking about the NBA playoffs. The Golden State Warriors are playing the Boston Celtics for the NBA title. Legacies are on the line here. for sure. The problem is both you and I are Golden State Warriors fans, and we really can't stand the Boston Celtics. So we need to have someone be on the opposite side. You know what? Screw that. We're going to both be uh, Warriors fans here. Warriors all day. Here's why I love this, uh, the NBA finals, because let's, this is going to cement Curry, uh, Clay Thompson, the Splash Brothers, and Draymond Green as, mm-hmm. as one of the greatest trios of all time. Because now I, I believe times. this is their sixth final in eight years. Is that correct? It is. Okay. So they would have won pre Kevin Durant years. They, they would did. have won during the Kevin Durant years. Yep. And at least now this is a series post Kevin Durant years. Where right. is Kevin Durant? Where was Kevin Durant before he went to Golden State? Where is he after? I'll give you a hint. It would not be at, during, at the NBA Finals. Exactly. He yep. would be at, home, at uh, home tweeting about different things. All right. Well, nonetheless, um, well, what is your take on the legacy here of Curry, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green? They have, I mean, And we talked about this a couple episodes ago, right? Our Mount Rushmore of NBA players. But Steph Curry has revolutionized the game of basketball. He has changed from the Shaquille O'Neal days, that generation of hard fought, you know, fighting in the paint, going for the rebounds to now Steph Curry could sit back in row 45, seat three and hit a three pointer. Like right. it doesn't matter. Like the game has changed now to where the outside shooting is more focused on and has to be better guarded than the inside play of paint or right at the line or anything to that effect, which has caused scouts and players to rethink their strategies, their scouting strategies, who they're drafting, what's going on. And now you have to be a more 
heavily stamina and more endurance in your play because you're playing harder from maybe three-quarter court, whereas before you could kind of walk the ball out to about the three-point line and, you know, was more worried about working the ball in. I think that that's just where we're at. Oh, it's all about spacing now in the NBA, right. something that LeBron James needs to figure out because he thought it'd be a good idea to bring in another brick layer, mm-hmm. Michael Westbrook, uh, to their team at the tune of $47 million a year to Gosh. devastating results. I say devastate not to their opponents, but to them as they didn't even make the playoffs this year. You got to right. have spacing. And so you bring in another player who can't even shoot the three. Now they don't have to guard you guys at three-point land. Well, with Golden State... Yeah, you got to guard these guys right as they cross half court. Uh, well, half look court at the line. guys. They're bringing up, you know, Gary Payton two. They're bringing up Wiggins. These guys are going to be the next cool. players that, yeah, that that straight up are going to live in three point land. It's yes. it's not, you know, it's not so more that you're looking for the next big guy. You're looking, and and that was determining, right? You could go out to a high school, or you could go to a a college and see the big guy out there dominating, right, dunking and grabbing rebounds. Now you got to look for the 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 wiry kid that can sink it from anywhere on the map. That is true, and uh, yeah, the, I wonder where is the next Shaquille O'Neal, and does that pl- person have a spot in today's NBA? Your big clogging center who is dominant, I would probably say they do, because if you could run like Shaquille O'Neal, then if you add that with your your um, Currys and your Clay Thompsons who open the court up, then that almost makes Shaquille O'Neal almost unguardable uh, underneath because right. you really can't double team them as well when everyone right. else is so spread out because they got to cover the three point shooters. So, uh, right. what, what are you most excited about this NBA Finals? That LeBron is nowhere near it. That is uh, nice. Uh, partly that I love seeing good, like fundamental basketball played by guys that aren't plagued in the media for something stupid or something else dumb. Right. I think, you know, Stephen Smith really nailed it hard that the Brooklyn Nets needed to lose hard in the beginning because they were plagued with bad publicity and players being, for lack of better term, douchebags all season long and thinking they were going to get away with it. I like seeing Jason Tatum out there, who's a strong, good player that gives back to his community and shows what basketball is all about. I like their on court personas and I like their off court lives because it, it solidifies what we should strive to be as, as professional players. Right? Wow. That is the way nicer than what I was going to say. What I was going to say was <laughs> I like, the gambling lines. You're talking about people's <laughs> giving back to their community. I'm concerned with the gambling line. Maybe that speaks a little right. bit to our, the differences between us, but I have a friend of mine who loves to gamble. Now he's not one of these crazy gamblers where he's spending $10,000 per, per bet. I think I just heard where Phil Mickelson has lost like $50 million in the last yeah. couple of years, gambling debts. This person approaches gambling like, it's the cost of a ticket to a game. So I would go to a game and spend maybe 50 bucks and then, you know, buy $25 worth of nachos. I'll go to Buffalo Wild Wings and, you know, just bet 25 bucks on the game. So that's how he approaches gambling. Uh, So he, he asked me for some gambling advice. Apparently he heard about how great you and I were during our football season with our predictions. Can we make that same magic happen in these basketball finals. So I did some research. Um, I reviewed all of Golden State's previous 
finals appearances. And I analyzed how they approached those final appearances. Like for example, let's go back to 2014 and 2015 when they played the Cleveland Cavaliers in the finals. And I, I, I analyzed those games. And during those games, they never reached over 200 points uh, okay. collectively as, as a team. All right, you got that? So if there's gonna be okay. an over or under on total points scored, the combined total never went above 200. The opening line was 212 and a half points. Wow. So, of course, you know what my um, my recommendation was, right? The under. You go under. Yeah, of course yeah. you go under. Golden State, they are known for their defense. What is Boston known for? Let me give their you offense. a hint. No, let me give you a hint. They are the <laughs> number one ranked defensive team this year. Yeah. So you have two defensive giants playing in the NBA Finals. You got Golden State that always goes under in the finals. So, mm-hmm. of course, I told him to go under. So what happened? during the fourth 48-point game or something? <laughs> I know. Well, during the fourth period, the Boston Celtics, I think, hit seven straight three-pointers in a row. Did not miss and just obliterated Golden State in game one. I think they scored a total of 230-some points. It wasn't even close. That's why you should not gamble, right? Because there you is. do all of your research and leads you to a conclusion and the exact opposite happens. Well, game mm-hmm. two then, he then takes my advice and goes with the under again, and it worked that time. So that, that being said, game three, the over-under, I believe, is 215 again. Chris, what say you? Would you take the over or the under? Over. You're going over, all right? I'm going to go over. I'm going to go over because Steph Curry is a beast during the playoff. And I, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with over. Just going to go All with right. that feeling. You know what? No justification. Over. You know what? I'm going to do this. Every single game left in this final, if the number is 212, I say take the under. That's going to be okay. my solid bet from here on out. Okay. If, the num- if the over is 212, I say take the under. If it's over, take the over. But that's my All line right. the rest of the period. I love All that. Right. I love that. That being said, hey, it's been a great uh, podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. Go back and eat your fish now. Go back and get caught up in work. (laughs) And let's talk again next week. Sounds good, Joel. Have a great one. You too. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a five-star review. We need your love to help us continue highlighting the funnier side of the law. I want to give a special shout-out to our Vice President of Operations, Wendy Oster, without whom this entire operation would be a complete and utter mess. Sean Wynn and 15.5 Features for making me sound way better than I actually do. Brooke Bolin for our marketing efforts. And Ryan Kuhn and Paul Kuhn of Tri. Plus City Marketing for our technical and computer support.